The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Really, really excited you're joining us and uh, happy to have you along for the ride. As you know, our friend Chance, shooter for the show extraordinaire, always steps in. And in this case, Todd's on vacation and uh, enjoying a well-deserved break with the family. So thank you again for filling in and jumping in here. Of course, Todd needed a break so badly. I mean, you could just, every time I saw yeah, him in person, it was just like, dude, you need a break. <laughs> it was it was definitely clear. He he definitely needed that. And um, he's been working really hard to finish up our television season on Velocity. And uh, like I said, I'm thrilled you're here because it's always nice to have your input. And what that means, secretly, I've been, I've known on the schedule that Todd will be on vacation. And I knew that you'd be willing to come on the podcast and okay. debate his next car. This is true. When he's not here. Yeah, we can, you know, poke fun at him and give him some <laughs> exactly. quasi weirdness or something. Exactly. <laughs> I've been promising you a lot of a lot of you to do this and uh, now that he's gone, we can talk about him. Of course, he's going to be listening to this later and laughing and uh so uh, we'll we'll have some fun. Is he going to be laughing, or is he going to go? Hmm, interesting. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought of that. Huh? <laughs> I, I'm not sure. Unless we come up with some crazy wild card here, yeah. but uh, hopefully we'll keep it in check. So we've got Todd's debate here up top here, and then Chance, you're going to talk about your Mustang. You've done some more stuff to it, even a little bit. Right? Yep, yep. More more day to day kind of things that you learn about as you start driving it more often. But sure. Sure. All right. So we've got that, and then a couple of debates here. We've got Cajun Mike out in Loveland, Colorado. Just south of my old Fort Collins stomping grounds. Yes, Mike, and uh, thank you for writing in. Really appreciate it. So we're going to debate, well, a couple of cars, looks like here. No, just a single car for him. All right. And then we've got John. Not sure where John lives, but he's, I think he's owned in Chicago. more Subarus. John's in Chicago. I think it was Chicago, yeah. You're right. You're right. Uh, well, John has owned more Subarus, I think, than anybody I've ever known. Yeah, we were just talking about that. It's <laughs> it's quite a list. Well. Uh, yeah, do you want to go over that now or in a minute? <laughs> we'll get there in just a minute. And then, again, a zillion Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter questions from all you guys. Thank you so much for writing in. I, I think uh, everybody kind of knows when we're dropping that out there and saying, hey, all right, we're we're podcasting soon. Take your questions. Yeah. So thanks again for posting those up. I love that even a bunch of you are getting into some debates with each other. And, again, remember, the debate is here so we can learn from each other, not to prove who's right but just so we can learn from each right. other. Keep, keep it civil. Exactly. <laughs> it is the internet, but you know. Exactly. Well, before we jump into Todd's car here, I do want to remind everybody about the pilgrimage trip this year for 2017. That is coming up. Registration is open. We've got, gosh, nine people, I think, signed up already. Nice, nice. And uh, we're looking to, to fill this. So if you are thinking about it, it's coming up over Labor Day weekend in the U.S. That's September 345. Go to everydaydriver.com adventures. Yep. And we would love to have you join us. It's going to be epic. I can't wait. Please do. And if uh, I'm not on this list, I'm going to be really sad. But <laughs> we're, we're working. We're, we're thinking. We're hoping. We're hoping that'll work out. Uh, but without further ado, let's just jump right in. I mean, he's not here. We can talk about him. He's not. Sweet. All like right. That child's orange car that's like mine. That's <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe we won't go that far. But. Did you drive yours here? Did you drive I your beard? Okay. White white car, black wheels, you know, everything you guys love. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, uh, before we began the podcast here, Chance and I were thinking, all right, do we set a budget? 
you know, what do we do? And I, I kind of figured, should we give him a hall pass? Should we just kind of come up with a bunch of ideas so he, he knows that the guys debated his next car in all price categories? I mean, not too crazy, right? Yeah, I mean, I kind of I kind of stayed within a limit that I, I feel is fairly realistic. Okay, but, I mean, we realistic can always, is we good. We can always talk about, about other options as well. I, mean, I, I do have a wild card, pull, pull a dream the, car on here that I think everybody knows is probably a foregone conclusion. But we'll get there. All right, yeah, so yeah. where'd you start? Do you have a list of a bunch of cars here? I've got... How long see, is your list? One, Let me put two, it that way. Three, four cars on my list. Okay, good, so good. I think a lot of them are kind of obvious. One of them is a little more... More of a wild card for him. Okay, all right. But I think, you know, the one everyone thinks he's going to get is a Lotus Elise. I mean, it's, yes, the, yes. It's, I mean, it's close within his budget. He's talked about it for years and years. Right. He's got a little blue one on one of his bookshelves he does. in his house. He actually was into the blue car thing, really, before yeah. I even was, to be oh, honest. Yeah. yeah, with that blue Elise, that model, that scale model. And, uh, but uh, as much as I think an Elise would be great for him, I almost don't think he should get one just because of the, really? the practicality standpoint and daily driving one. I mean, it can be done, but think of that car with snow tires. <laughs> However, yes. I just think, though, yes. you know, the, the tires on those cars are so narrow to begin with that it might be actually pretty easy to find snow tires that fit. Well, I've always thought that he could open a plowing service. Yeah. You know, as soon as he gets that, just put proper tires on the car, and then he can plow the neighbor's driveways. Yeah, just yeah there you go. Drive back and forth up and down the driveways, you and you're good to go. Yeah. All right, so you've got the Lotus on there. What else? I think the more natural progression for from an FRS is actually the, uh, the BMW M235i. You do. I do. I mean, after, okay. I haven't driven the the 235s yet, but I have driven the M2 that we had for Icon. That's right. That's and I right. felt like it was a grown-up version of the FRS with you know twice the power. Right. But as far as the right. dynamics, for the most part, the the size, it feels to me, it felt very similar. I remember we were talking about this on the shoot. You both, you and Todd, were saying that it's sort of the the next iteration, the more. I guess finely crafted, more you know. Yeah, but the problem with him getting one of those is you're getting an M2. Yes, I think I am still getting an M2. I uh, yeah, more more on that later. So, but yes, keep going. But so from there, I I went. I can see him in a Mitsubishi Evo X. Okay, he's All talked right. about those. It'd yeah. be great in the snow. It'd be great year round. Put put his son in the back seat, and he's sort of the poster child for that car and, too, isn't he? And, and as long as it's got the Recaro seats, he would love that thing. <laughs> Can you imagine? Well, here's the <laughs> here's the the rub: an Evo Ten without those Recaro seats. Is, would he drive this? Would he take it? I don't think so because of what happened last time. Yeah, he he, he actually he hurt his back. Hurt his back and had to have that taken care of, but. But my, my last of the four cars I chose, I think this is more of the wild card, but I know he likes the higher-up version. Okay. But I'm thinking maybe a, a newer Mustang GT. The Really? It's a bigger car, but I've seen so many people with FRSs and BRZs upgrade to those and never look back either. No kidding. So that's a possibility. And if, and if we're talking, you know, sky's the limit, well, GT350, okay. he's talked about too. He has talked about that. You're right. That wasn't on my list, huh? All right, so is that where you're ending? You're that, stopping at that, the That's where I've ended. So, I mean, we, we can go from there with more price points. But that's I was trying to keep it around you know, 30, 35-ish. No, you're right. You're right. That's a good price point. Um, I'm, I'm with you on a lot of these. I mean, I, I thought, all right, let's start from a, 
a really low end as if I'm going to have another beater winter car. Yeah. And then all the way out to something kind of crazy like you did here. So I actually started with a Fiesta ST. If you okay. watch our Octane ST Driving Academy, of which one of our fans of the show, Rob, is actually out in Salt Lake now, uh, recording this on a Monday evening. He's at the Octane Academy. Right, right. Told me about that. So uh, I, th coming away from that film, Todd liked the smaller car better, naturally. So uh, he he really gravitated towards that Fiesta ST, whereas I liked the Focus R or Focus RS, excuse me, Focus ST because of it being more of a real car. And now they do the RS driving school out there as well. We're hoping for the four GT yeah. class coming as well. Yeah. We're, we're uh, pretty cool <laughs> anticipating that. But I thought, you know what, Fiesta ST, he could really be happy with that. Plus the price point. I mean, I keep saying, keep jo joking with everybody. And 12, he, 13 grand. He recommends it on the, all the time on his own podcast. All the time. All the time. On his so. very own podcast. That's right. All right. So I started there and I'm thinking I've got the Elise on my list as well. That, it's, it's the obvious one. It, it is it the obvious choice. There. Very much a foregone conclusion. And I will say it's got to be the 2006 model year and newer because of the rear taillights, the LED taillights, and oh, those right. seats were better in that car. So again, right. coming back to seats, very important. Is that the supercharged ones too? Not necessarily supercharged for that. I know that people have added the supercharging kit on those earlier model years. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not the Lotus Savant that Todd is. Neither am I. 09, I think, is when they went to the supercharging okay. kit as standard. Bumped up the power, but I know he'd take an 06 even without that. No problem. So I'm thinking, all right. 06 and newer Lotus Elise, and it's been proven, you know, you yeah. can buy one for 30 and sell it a year later for 30. Yeah. So. yeah, and you can daily drive them. People do it. You can. But for all of you listening, this brings up the conversation that Todd and I have had in the background that you haven't heard yet, so I'm revealing this. I'm not, uh, <laughs> I, I'm wondered, not saying too much here. I've wondered how much of this you're going to go into detail. <laughs> But it, it does have to do with buying the Elise. And I've asked him seriously, okay, if that happens, would you get a beater car? Would you get a third car at this point? Because, come on, a few of those days, you're really oh, not yeah. going to want to be in that car despite yeah. winter tires. And he said, possibly, maybe something really just janky and beat up and a couple grand for just, you know, something. I mean, we might be talking... Toyota Cressida from the 80s or something just <laughs> janky and old. And he would consider that. He would entertain that idea. So just know that the Elise can't do it. I think it can't do it year-round. He might prove me wrong, and just by me saying yeah, this, I mean, he's probably determined on, to prove me wrong. On the nicer wrong. days, I think you could. But, you know, when it's snowing and there's three feet of snow already on the ground, not plowed yet, uh, you're not going to get very far in that car. I mean, the FRS has gotten stuck. I've yeah. seen it, not to mention the Elise. And, you know... In this case, light is not necessarily better. If those tires can't punch through to the pavement, no. you're kind of screwed. All right, so Elise, and I'm with you, the Evo 10, poster child for that car. I think you'd yep. own one in a heartbeat. Yep. I also have the early Evora, maybe 2014, and I bet you he would take a non-supercharged, a naturally Probably. aspirated Probably. Evora, and I think price is around 40, but it might be too high. Um, yeah, we're, we're starting to get into the higher end of things. And, uh, he really loved that Evora because, you know, that could be it, year round. It's a Lotus. It has a back seat, sort of, Lotus. sort of, it does exist. 
That's true. And then uh, after that shoot, the, uh, the icon shoot that you mentioned, he would love to have one M. Oh yeah. The 1M has got to be on the, that list. I loved your M235i idea, but a 1M in Valencia Orange... That's very true. Yeah, would I didn't think about that. Yeah, all the buttons. Yeah, he loved that car. <laughs> he loved that car, and truly you could. But again, the prices on that at 2011, the 2011 model year, the only year those were made, have just remained really constant. So you can see by the list that Chance and I are doing here, he likes unique... But unique in uh, not the weird oddball kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, they're they're very unique, unique colors. But I was thinking, one M in that orange stays consistent, gets him into German cars. Yep, yep. His only other German car experience was an Audi ninety. Well, they have the Cayenne too. But well, Cayenne too. Yes, very true, very true. But you know, for him, you know, Cayenne is more of his wife's car, yeah, yeah. and so yep, you know, true. for him, just here's my car. He's always had American and Japanese up to this point. Anyway, all right. Well, uh, you all have been asking. Uh, I, I think the question has been more about what color is Todd's Elise going to be? And I think you should submit those if you have a, a particular color. But he would take... I think he'd take any he'd color take but gray. He'd take that eggplant, that metallic eggplant, yeah. fish scale gloss. I, yeah. I, I, I would do that. That, that, um, that really bright lime green, not the yellowish mm. green. The, the like yeah. really bright, I think they call it, is it chrome green? I don't know. It, it's, I don't know. I, <laughs> those, those loud colors get me too. I but, could see uh, that. Well, uh, we've got some time here. Give us your uh, update on the Mustang because you've been starting to drive this. You've driven it to one of our shoots now. You've had it on I the did. freeway. Lo and, and behold. It was funny. With the day I drove it to one of our shoots, we went to dinner afterwards and uh, we pulled in and you two were in the two cars that we drove. Yeah. And I was in the Mustang, and no one cared about what you guys were driving. No, they, they didn't. Flocked over to my oh car. My it was a little. You're right. That it was, was funny. A little overwhelming, actually. The the <laughs> jealous stares that your car attracts from the right kind of individual. I mean, yeah. they've got one in the barn at home or the garage. They're doing their own rebuild, but I mean, you have to give them a towel to wipe the drool off. Pretty much. And I'm going Mazda RF right here, folks. I mean, brand new. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Irrelevant. No, it's 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 amazing the types of looks in its primer and beat upness that it gets <laughs> which adds to the charm and probably adds to the i gotta have that because yeah. of the promise yeah. of what it can be yeah exactly but what i've discovered is you know it's gotten kind of hot here the last few days yes fortunately and that car doesn't have air conditioning <laughs> and for up until this past weekend i had um so to with the engine i have in it the 5.0 I had to make a different gas pedal. And so okay. the, the old gas pedal went through the firewall and had this big, I don't know, an inch, inch and a half hole that that it went through. The, <laughs> the new one I have bolted to the firewall. Okay. It, it's I, I yanked the, the gas pedal out of the Fox body Mustang. Right, right. And, uh, and it uses a cable instead of the mechanical linkages that the old ones had. Well, I never plugged this hole. And so all the hot air was just oh, coming air. right into my feet. Oh, gotcha. and just I, I, I don't know how my shoes are still intact because it was getting so hot in the thing. I finally plugged that. But last week, uh, my brother and I were out driving around in it. We were doing the Parade of Homes. So we were going from oh, that's right. house to house. That's right. The Salt Lake Parade of Homes. Uh, Utah Valley, actually. Oh, Utah Valley. Okay. Same difference. All right. All right. Same thing. Different location. But we've come to, up to the speed hump. And I see the signs. Okay. Speed humps, I can usually just, you know 
go kind of the same speed and go right over. Sure. Well, this one was a lot taller than most speed pumps. Uh oh. <laughs> and my one of my exhaust flanges hit the speed hump and okay. broke the exhaust off. So did you leave it there in front of the new houses and just kind no, of well, wave the, merrily? The hanger for the muffler was still on it, so it was kind of twisting up out of the way. <laughs> so it was still on the car. But now all of a sudden I'm going to these nice houses with my brother and my beat up old car. Really loud, right? With basically an open header on it on one side. <laughs> Perfect. And I'm not going to lie. So the first house we pulled up to, got all these guys in the garage with their different vendors and whatnot. Right. And uh, they come out just looking like, oh, we heard you coming a mile away. Wondered what car it was. And they were just forming over the car. And it was, it was funny. Yeah, slobbering so on the car. I drove it around like that for about a week. And I had it to where it was just to a point where I can put it back on and shove it back in place, and I tighten the U-bolt back down. Okay, But if I hit, like, train tracks or floored it or anything like that, it would come out again and get loud. (laughs) So I finally had a friend weld it over the weekend, and that's taken care of that. But the one thing I've... The biggest frustration I've had when driving down the freeway, I actually posted a rant on our Instagram a couple days ago about it. Right, right. Was I have so many people... And this happens everywhere doesn't matter what kind of car you're in. You know, they, you leave them enough space for their car, they're going to slide in, in front of you. Of course they will. Of course. Now, in an old car, now granted, I have disc brakes on it. I saw your rant. This is but great, But in an old way. car, you kind of need your braking distance because they don't stop like a new car does. Yeah. I mean, there's some that are due. The, the rest of mods that right. have the way upgraded disc brakes. But, but you, you can't assume you that cannot the car have that. those. Right, right. So every time it happens, I'm like, Yelling and swearing, like, what are you doing? Get out. <laughs> but, I'd like yeah. to see that coming out of you, actually, <laughs> when that happens. But yes, I did see your rant. And as a matter of fact, didn't you start another Instagram just for the build? I did, yes. I, I've noticed a lot of other people have done this, kept their, their build separate. And, okay. And uh, that way people can just go and follow the car build instead of our personal stuff or my photography or whatever. Gotcha. It's easier okay. for people that are interested in that to follow. So I've used the same. I had the hashtag Project Pony Up before, and I'm okay. just using the same tag, so it's now at Project Pony Up. So you can find it that way. Okay. Yeah, I saw, I saw you started to post a few images on there and your rants on there. I think about yep. everything, but yep. yeah, you know, big trucks, buses, and old cars. Don't pull in front of them because them you don't space. know what their brakes are like. Yeah. Just because you can stop in 110 feet doesn't mean I can. <laughs> Well, awesome. So what else? Anything else? Upgrades, uh, mods, any just restoration progress? Are you thinking paint color at all? Are you thinking that far already? Or are you just well, are you going to enjoy it over the summer and just drive it? I've, paint is kind of one of the last things on my list. Sure, sure. Mostly because it's, it's really expensive to have it done properly. Plus, with all the looks you get now, it's almost irrelevant. Yeah, and I, I want to be able to use it and not have to you know trailer yeah. it everywhere I go. I don't Even when I paint it, I'm still going to you know use it and abuse it. Sure, but, sure. I want to do um, black with red stripes. That'll be the eventual thing. But okay. I'm, I'm right. kind of doing everything backwards. So most people will paint it first and do the bodywork and then do all the mechanical things. But I've been doing all the mechanical restoration and upgrades, and then I'm going to paint it later on so I can still enjoy it along the way. That kind of makes sense to me, though. I mean, yeah, just drive it, enjoy it. You've been working on it for so long. Yeah. And just to actually have it on the freeway, you've got new tires on it. Just enjoy it and drive it, and you've got great weather here now to, to do so. Yeah, it's been fun. Cool. It's been a lot of fun. Very cool. 
All right. Well, uh, yeah, follow that, uh, his, his build there on Instagram, as I said. A quick pause to talk about one of our sponsors, Covercraft. If you have a car, you need to know about these guys. They produce car covers, seat covers, dash covers, sunscreens. These are fantastic for keeping your interior cool, keeping the sun out of your interior. You've made me a believer. It really is. And floor mats. They even have canine covers. They've got accessories even for power sports. A lot of stuff. Go to Covercraft.com and use the code DEBATE for free shipping in the U.S. We've got to jump right in to a couple of car debates, starting out with Cajun Mike in Loveland, Colorado. Hi, Cajun Mike's wife. What would Cajun Mike's wife name be? Sort of Cajun Marie, maybe? I'm not sure. I'm guessing. All right. Spicy well, Marie. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, uh, Cajun Mike's wife. They're in Loveland, as I mentioned before. They're out in Colorado. And uh, he and his wife have a Honda Pilot that they're keeping and a 2003 Nissan Maxima SE six-speed manual that they're thinking about replacing. And if yeah. I'm not mistaken, those O3s are like, Camrys, they run in spite of you. They just pretty much ran and ran. Yeah. Two hundred thousand miles just sort of, you know, cracking your neck and all right, now we're just getting nope, started, just right? Warming up and stretched and now we're loose and ready to go. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, so their budget here is low thirty thousand, so low thirties. And here's the deal, here's the story from Cajun Mike. He wants a convertible for their fantastic weather. By the way, similar to Utah, even if it's right. snowing, it's sunny out. Right. Which is nice. Really lifts your spirits, and it's it's good weather. <laughs> Honestly, it does. Uh, all right. So they've got good weather most of the year and good mountain roads nearby. But they've got growing 10- and 13-year-old kids, which are expensive for long-term ownership, yep, yep. especially if you own a German car. Now, his wife doesn't have the disease, and she's very practical, apparently. So any car that he buys is more that's more fun than practical is going to be a challenge to get past the wife. Right. All right. So he's wondering here, should he go for this nice sports sedan that, you know, he can take the kids around or, you know, he he suggests the Lexus GS at 350F Sport, kind of a large car. Yep. Yep. And then spend about 20k just on that uh or or just get the sports sedan or conversely get two cars. 20K on a sports sedan, like an Infiniti G37, and then the rest towards the third generation NC Miata. So this is kind of what he's asking. But he also states that he really desperately wants a convertible. And you know what kind of convertible he suggested here. You noticed this, right? I did, I did. I've noticed the trend every time I'm on here. These get brought up. (laughs) (laughs) It fits because you have the Mustang experience here. So everybody listening, he wants a Mustang GT convertible. Yeah. But apparently his wife is rolling her eyeballs... And just kind of going, nah, because of the back seats. Because right. more and more of Mike's driving is with his kids, which is great. I'm glad to hear that. Right. I'm thinking school runs, maybe. But I saw Mustang GT. I knew you were going to be on the podcast. And I just thought, all right, you've got to comment on this. Being the Mustang guy, I mean, having it in your blood since I don't know how old you were. Uh, my mom actually sent me some pictures a couple weeks back of me when I <laughs> that was... That can be good and bad two or three you're kidding me sitting in the driver's seat of my aunt's 1965 or 66 uh mustang she had was that a convertible it was not a convertible okay it was a straight six car and it was her it was her baby but i've got wow. pictures of my dad and my grandpa working under the hood with me dri- driving it ar- around in the garage okay so it goes way back way way back yeah Okay, it's so pretty much in my blood, you might say. I was gonna say. <laughs> All right, so uh, Mike's got the Mustang love in his blood as well, and he says finally here that his son's magic eight ball has been no help whatsoever 
surprisingly. And yeah. so what do the swamis suggest that he do with this glorious and painful disease he suffers from? All right. So I'm, I'm really curious being the Mustang guy and hearing his story. So I, I actually went kind of an interesting route here. Now the Germans pretty much own the four seat convertible car. They're kind of the king of that. They kind of so, do. But because of, re, not reliability, but because of maintenance, I decided to steer clear of that because he mentions, you know, it gets expensive. And with two yeah. almost teenage boys, <laughs> you kind of need money for that. You with think? Sports or whatever the case may be. <laughs> or food or yeah, anything food. else. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually, something my wife and I did a couple of years ago, we were looking at buying a convertible Mustang. You were? And yeah, this was... Three or four years ago now. Prior to the Prior, Boxster? Pr- yeah. This was before I met you guys, actually. Oh, wow. And uh, what we did was we went to, we went and rented one for a day. So it was, it wasn't a, wasn't one of the nice ones. It was a V6. You guys like doing it was, this. It was a convertible. So this we, is a trend with you. We rented it for the day so we can, <laughs> it's, it's like an ex- extended test drive, only you right. can pay for it. Right. So I would suggest doing something like that and you can see how usable the back seat is. And I say that because my sister-in-law's ex puts his fourteen puts my fourteen-year-old nephew and his fiance's daughter in the back seat of that of their Mustang convertible all the time, without any problems. His fourteen-year-old nephew, and so not the nephew's fiance. The fourteen-year-old doesn't have a fiance. No, my so okay. His dad's fiance. His dad's fiance and his fourteen-year-old nephew. Okay, got it. Got it. Story there, but all right. So my 14-year-old nephew, who's really tall for his age, I might add, fits in the back seat of this car in relative comfort. In the back of the Mustang? In the back. Okay. So you might want to try that out and, and see how that works for you. But I also thought of, well, you, you mentioned the Infiniti G37 sedan. Yes, yes. They made a convertible, too, that has they a did. fairly spacious back seat. They did. So it's got the same V6, the same... General Dynamics. It's a hard top convertible. That's true. That's and you true. can find those for. I found one that had. Uh, where'd it go? I found one that had 19,000 miles on it for 27 grand. But you can find them with 50 plus thousand miles on them for under 20 all day long. And on that car, 50,000 miles yeah, is not going to be an issue. Like it might give you hesitation with a German car, maybe. Right. Right. But it's Japanese, so it'll be theoretically cheaper to maintain. It should <laughs> should work. And... There's theory, and then there's the ocean of reality, but yes. <laughs> right. So then if you go that route, you can spend you know twenty grand on that, keep the Maxima for a couple of years. Oh, so you're saying keep it. Keep it. And here's why. You've got a 13-year-old son now. <laughs> this car's a manual, and it's a beater anyways at this point. I like this idea. Then you can use that and give it to your son to drive around in. And to learn on. And this is the first car. Yeah. It's the beater. And it's already in the family. I, it's... It's, I would assume paid off or pretty close to. Sure. They're not, I was looking up, they're not really worth hardly anything anymore. Right. So, I mean, you're either kind of throwing it away or keeping it for one of your kids. Why not? Wow. You kind of pulled a move that I would do. Just, you know, kind of <laughs> out of nowhere, keep this car, thinking ahead. That's great. I really like that. So you're you're going fully with keep the get the Mustang. Yeah, either get the Mustang or look at the Infinity. They're both kind of okay. similar prices. Um, I mean, you you can go the route and get the the sedans or you know an IS three hundred and fifty or GS three hundred and fifty or whichever. They'll be great too. 
But since you really want a convertible, I think these will be great options that still have a re relatively usable back seat and practicality and something you can use year-round, even in Colorado. Yeah, no, you're spot on there. I, I like this. Yeah, and, and you're right. That Maxima probably isn't worth too much money right now. No, I, I looked some up, I mean, and they're between like 1500 and three grand, depending on condition. So Yeah, yeah, not enough. Interesting. All right, well, I was kind of thinking ahead here, too. And, uh, Mike, this is a delightful and rather dangerous price category to be in. And I say that yes. because there's lots of German cars that were previously rather expensive that have now dropped to the 30 to 35 price range. Right. That you think, oh, I could have, like this example right here, I could have a 2013 Audi RS5. Wow, an RS5 even. 71,000 miles for 35 grand. Still. Still. That's what I'm thinking. Huh. It gets you thinking in a dangerous way, which yeah. is what we do here on the But Cardinate then it goes podcast. back to German car ownership. And then it goes and back to all of that stuff. And then I thought, a, a convertible, German, fast. How about a 2008 Audi RS4 Cabriolet manual transmission for under $30,000? Problem is, it's got 72,000 miles on it. <laughs> I didn't even know they made a RS4 convertible. They did. Here. It was a rare beast, I but bet. RS4 convertible with that engine. Yeah. It's the engine out of the R8 yeah, in a convertible, but 72,000 miles. I went on. I mean, E-classes, S-classes. I found a 2013 Mercedes CLS 550 with 36,000 miles. I found a 750 IL BMW with that twin turbo V8. I found five series, four series. All these cars were in that 30 to 35 bracket. I mean, 428, 650i Grand Coupe M Sport for 35 grand with about 47,000 miles on it. Yeah. You just, you start yeah. scratching your chin going, huh? No, if and I yet, do this. You know, this is why people write in, Paul, so that we can narrow <laughs> this list down, not make it bigger. I know. So it's, <laughs> it's actually grown. And I give these examples as Mike, these are. These are dangerous because you get thinking. And on Todd's behalf, before I go on with my choices here, a 2014 Chevy SS is $35,000 with only 27,000 miles on it. Yeah, yeah. All right. A lot of car. So here we go, Mike. I like where your head's at. I'm thinking here. I'm backing your play on the Mustang as well. I really like that. Hmm. I'm also all about this Lexus IS350 F Sport. The 350 also came all-wheel drive, if that's a concern, as is the IS300, also all-wheel drive. I came upon a 2015 Audi S3. Yeah, I looked at those, actually. Yeah. For 35 grand, yeah. 23,000 miles. That's practically brand new right there. Pretty much. Smaller car. Thought about the M235i, and I did think, huh, here's where my thinking switched, much like Chances did with Keep the Nissan. You mentioned about getting a cheaper car. And then getting a Miata because you're really, really attracted to the NC and, and driving. Yeah. At this age, with your 10-year-old and your 13-year-old, I would submit to you, go make memories with your kids. Get the car now that they're going to talk about the rest of their lives when they started to get into thinking about driving and the enthusiasm that you show. And think about the road trips you can do and the pictures you'll take and the memories you'll create. Yeah, yeah. And if that is the Mustang GT for you, then buy that car. Because, to Chance's point, when that 13-year-old is now 16, get him the Miata hey, to learn yeah. on. Yeah. Get him, and maybe it's not the NC, maybe it's the first two generations, something like that that's inexpensive. As Todd and I have talked about before, 
get something where it's small and nimble. He can avoid things. He can avoid accidents. I'm sure the insurance will be pretty inexpensive. The and cars it's a manual transmission. Are pretty inexpensive. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And it's a manual transmission upon which to learn the skill for the rest of his life. And so I thought you could get a 2015 or 2016 Subaru WRX STI. I mean, think of Saturdays when your kids come to you and say, Dad, can we just go for a drive just because it's such a hoot when you drive yeah. and we're hanging on and we're creating memories <laughs> and we go somewhere. When my dad was flying, they call it the $100 hamburger. They just pick another town that's nearby and you fly there and you have lunch and you fly home. It's $100. Well, it's more than that because of right. aviation gas and you know all that stuff, all the cost of owning and maintaining an airplane. Still, that's a cool but, idea. I never heard of that. Yeah, it's it's called a hundred dollar hamburger among pilots, and and uh, so just go do that with your kids. And like I said, you've got the rest of your life to own staid sedans with lots of horsepower that are sleepers. All the E classes and the five series and all these cars that I suggested, those are going to be around. But the time in your life is now to go make memories with some hot, stupid, fun car that they're hanging on, they're loving it, and you can say, and hey, they can point back to this point in your life yeah and you know what Dro dropping your kids off in a mustang versus a bmw they're <laughs> gonna love you for that instead of hate you for it <laughs> so and there's there's another plus for there them is too. that there is that i i like it so uh that's where my headspace is at mike oh, I, I, I hope I like this that helps yeah. and i know you've got convincing to do with your wife but again you've got plenty of time for those other cars this special time in your life with those kids because you know it all comes back to like you were saying with your grandparents they have photos of you when you were two and three years old, yep. and that's when it started. You can point to that with older family members, whether it's your grandparents, your parents, whoever that is, and that is the moment in time when you have those pictures. Yeah. Keep it going. Spark it, yeah. Very quick note to talk about one of our new sponsors, Autotempest.com. If you enter your search once on Autotempest.com, it searches all the top used car sites at once. That's T-E-M-P-E-S-T. -E -E so like a storm, Autotempest.com. We will move on to the second debate here. And uh, this is John, as you said, in Chicago. <laughs> Own more Subarus than I can count. You, you've counted all the ones. Did you read through his, yeah, so, so his whole I'll, article I'll here? just read through this really Please fast. Please do. I, I won't read the model names just for, for sake of simplicity. But Okay, so he had a 93 Impreza, a 99 Legacy, then an 03 Impreza, and an 08 Legacy, which were all automatics. <laughs> And then he Continue. upgraded to a 2001 Impreza, built it to be a rallycross car. Right. And it was a manual car. And then he bought a 2009 Legacy. And he didn't specify whether or not that was manual or not. I don't think he did anyways. So he's had, what is that, five or six different Subarus? Unbelievable. And on top of that, he now has, or he sold the the last Legacy. Oh, it was a Spec B, so it was probably a manual car. He sold the last Legacy and bought a Touareg TDI. He's eligible for the buyback, so that's what he's doing. He's getting rid of the Touareg for the buyback and is trying to find something to replace this. Mm -hmm. And this is where I think Todd should come in. Okay. Hey, he's in the clip. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, John found us by watching the, uh, the Lotus Evora piece you guys did a year or so ago. Yes, that was Craig's Lotus Evora on California. He generously let us drive that car. And uh, it's funny because I did the same thing. When you're thinking about buying a car, what videos do you go looking for? The one you're thinking about buying. Yeah. So he was thinking about this Evora. Yep, that's exactly what happened. And so he, he's got the Lotus bug almost as bad as Todd does. 
<laughs> You're not kidding. Uh, and he's he's got this big old long email he sent us kind of explaining why he wants an Evora, why he didn't get one before, and it's in Chicago and it snows and, and you know, all these sorts of things. And, oh, and it would have been parked outside, which would have been great for Covercraft. That's true. That's but, true. But So now he's in a position where he can actually buy one and have it in the garage. Okay. But he's trying to to um, have us... You know, not not in, invite him to get it, but see if he's making the right choice or not. He's wanting us to justify his yes. purchase here. Yes. And many times that happens. A lot of you write in and you think, here's what I'm thinking. Am I on the right track? We've even had folks write to us and say, I've already bought the car. What do you think of what I did? It, you know, yay or nay, what do you think? Yeah. yeah. Which is funny. All right, continue. So and on top of that, because of his race car, he wants to get something like a truck that's cheap and something they can just pull their pull the rally car around to and from events <laughs> must be nice yeah so he didn't give us a specific budget but i'm guessing around 40 to 50 based on the the, the avora alone and uh so what, what are your thoughts on this that's kind of what i'm thinking well uh <laughs> yeah this is this is almost the should i should i do it could i but he's owned more subarus i've lost count when you were describing all these subarus I can't believe it. And this, yeah, this rally, uh, what was it? Uh, Rallycross Impreza. Yeah. Fully uh, caged. I mean, you know the headliner's ripped out of that. So when it rains, it sounds like a snare drum. Yep. I mean, one of those kind of cars. Full-on race car. All right. So, yes, the Toreg is getting bought back from VW. And then, uh, yeah, we're coming to the Avora. So as Chance said, he is thinking about the earlier Evora, naturally aspirated, or maybe a little bit later, 1415 Evora S, possibly, probably depending on the price. Or did I get that it was, wrong? It was the other way around, yeah. Okay, the 2011-ish so. S and the newer non-S. Oh, you're right. The, you're right. Okay. All right. So flip that. Comparable, yeah. Flip that. Got that backwards. Uh, and then uh, thinking also this uh, hanger on over here is a Focus RS because of its practicality, because of the fun, yeah, the turbocharged yeah. nature. All that kind of stuff. But, you know, again, an Avora in snow yeah, it might not be the well, best thing. Yeah. Again, I'd love to see an Avora, or at least with a blade on the front and go hey. plow somebody's driveway. Anyway, anyway, so he's saying that with the Avoras, there's a lot for sale, but many of them are gray and silver, and he's very much along, alongside Todd here with the paint colors. Right. But at the same time, his wife, who has actually given him his blessing on this, by the way. Which is huge. Which huge is awesome, to note, by the way. Has already ruled out the heritage racing paint jobs. So no British racing green? Is that what that means? I'm not sure. I know they did a couple special editions. I don't know if it's the ones with stripes and things like that on okay. them. Okay. All right. But he specifically says, and no solar or solar yellow. Okay. So, so it can't be, I guess, a too bright of a color but it can have some color not but some not so color. little color that it's gray i guess there's a gray area so there, orange so it's got to be, yeah, orange. be orange it's kind of what you're saying <laughs> i'm sure you can find one well to be honest i am uh i'm all there because again john you're writing and saying all right maybe the focus rs but there's going to be a lot of them around in the next two or three years and his thought is the avoras are going to stay pretty stable in terms of price which is something to consider. Just like the Elise, I feel like those early Avoras are probably, they haven't cratered, I won't use that term, but they've kind of stabilized, plateaued. Yeah, settled, maybe. Settled is yeah. a good word there. For now, to be able to consider that, I will say on the transmission, what's your thoughts? Should he go manual? Should he go with uh, 
with the automatic with the with the paddles what do you think oh, I, I can go either way with this because i from what i understand now i haven't driven it but i think you guys have we have the yes automatic yes we did um they're pretty good are they not they are as a matter of fact and i was even thinking you know with the introduction of the 400 could you not flash the transmission and introduce new shift points could you change yeah, maybe, everything yeah. about it could they yeah. kind of crispen things up if it's not to your liking i do remember an old um when the car first came out with the automatic mm -hmm. um road and track reviewed it with a cayman s with pdk right and they actually put the lotus ahead of the porsche i don't think that was transmission related but there's something to think about sure sure there is something there but that also brings me to, you know, if you're looking at Avoras at that price range, I'm just saying go drive these, but you can also look at C7 Corvettes and 997, 911s. Very true. For the that same price, price range, range and you're you can right. have, have a few options. And, and I mean, you know you like the Avora, but have you driven one? If you drive it, you may or may not like it. Yeah, and that's the thing. The trade-off with Lotus is the handling is just so sublime. Yeah. It's just, it does speak to you. And I, I do admit that. You know, being a car guy means you'll like just about any car, right? Yeah, yeah. Except for Gremlins and a few other things. <laughs> Those have cool character traits, I guess, too, in Along a with weird way. Some Sylvester Stallone movies. <laughs> anyway, but uh, most cars, which means I love Lotus, too. I mean, Todd oh, yeah. is the guru, but they're just so amazing. But the build quality on Porsches, you can really see and right. feel the German quality in there. So it kind right. of depends on what matters to you, especially with that six-speed manual. Definitely improved on the 400 but you'll have to kind of see, is this something I can live with yeah, when you yeah. do drive the manual on Especially the Especially if you're going to drive it all the time. You want to be able to right. you know, love it all the time and not just you know here and there. Right. I like your other suggestions. I'm going to back your play here on the Lotus because if you can and you're thinking about it. Do it. Do it. Just do it. We're cheerleading over here for you. So he's writing for justification. We are giving that to you. But the second part of the question is all about the trucks, as Chance mentioned here. He's got to haul about 6,000 pounds of car, trailer, and parts. And mainly it's just house materials, 2x4s, plywood. So you're actually hauling stuff. But he's kind of asking, yeah. what pickup truck? And it's the question, Ford, Chevy, Dodge, yeah, yeah. well, Ram now. But what should I do? Or should I consider the Japanese trucks? Who knows? Because it sounds like he's never grown up in the in the Chevy house or my right. dad always loved and, Fords. And or, he says you know. on his, his research of these, it's mostly been people saying, Oh well, you know, it's it's fine what you like and yeah. they're all kind of the same really, other than you know, it's a truck. <laughs> For the most part, especially <laughs> at a lower price. I'll be range. honest, I feel the same way about trucks. I don't really pay attention to them. You don't. So I, I don't despite I'm, being a I Ford am probably guy. I'm the worst person to ask for advice on a truck. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. As, as, in my experience, so when I worked for Kirkham Motorsports, they were all, everything we did there was Ford. So when we, of course. When we hauled the cars around to the track or of whatnot, course. it was an F-150. Okay. All right. Or a Raptor. Those are what my two bosses. Oh, darn. Had. Yeah. <laughs> and they did the job really well. I'm sure. <laughs> but when I was with the BYU Salt Flats racing team, we pulled the car around with a GMC 2500, I think it was. So Sierra. Okay. So that was a full was, one ton, was it not? Yeah. It was a heavy duty, but it wasn't the the diesel truck. It was okay, still the, right. the 6.0 or whatever it had. It, it did it just fine. Right. So to me, as long as it hauls the load you're needing, I just say get a truck that you can depend on and not care too much about. If you're going to be throwing mulch or plywood or whatever in the back, car parts. 
who cares if it gets scratched up? It's a truck. Sure. I'm kind of with you, although I do come from a family of more leaning towards Fords, and I've worked for Ford in the past, and so I can't explain it to you. And no, people no. that are, you know, my grandfather had Chevys, my dad, me, it's just Chevy. That's it. Don't even look at another one. And that's exactly what the other side of the equation was, you said. It's just the, yeah. the house loyalty. Which one do you want? It is. It is. So, But if you, you know, don't have that, which one do you pick? Subaru <laughs> does not build a pickup truck, so you can't be loyal to that. <laughs> well, they had that, that Baja le oh, legacy did. Outback thing that was not and they really had the a brat pickup, too <laughs> and the brat oh my gosh all right i don't so. think this will tow six thousand pounds though no no only think... only once yeah one time it will and that'll be it <laughs> so i'm i'm kind of leaning towards fords but that's me and so you'll have to take a, a good selection continue to ask your neighbors everybody's going to write in and say yeah. ram over here chevy over here uh, to be honest, not that the Japanese trucks are bad in any way. They've actually come quite a long ways in terms of size. You can we get finally... the diesel and the Tundras now, right? That's so... true. My neighbor has a Nissan, which is enormous. It's the Titan. The new one is enormous. Oh, yeah, they're huge. It's... <laughs> All right. So Nissan has arrived with their trucks. I would say, yeah, think about that and uh, you know, ask your neighbors. But um, otherwise, pick one that does the job, fits the right price, and yep. fits your life. Yeah, I agree. All right, jumping over to some questions here. Before we run out of time, we've got so many. You mentioned, you, gosh, we had uh, well over 25 on Facebook. I say dive right in. What struck you? What do you want to jump into here? Well, I saw I saw a common theme with a lot of them. There's a lot of Lamar questions, a bunch of Civic yeah. Type R questions. Yeah. And, I mean, we've touched on the Type R a few times in the, in the recent present. But I just want to say I've... I've seen reports of what the Civic type, type R's are actually selling for right now. Can you it, believe it this? It is just scary. They're selling for upwards of $60,000 for a Civic. I know it's a Type R. I know we yeah, haven't had the Type but... R here in a very long time, if ever. But that you might as well get a GT350 or a Corvette or At something. At that price that, range, that, yeah. What are you doing? You're not going to get that back on the car. No. And that's that's just dealer markup, the, the greed that we all can't stand. We yeah, just despise that. Almost double the markup. It's it's insane. Unbelievable. Yeah. The, the markup is here. The Civic Type R is here. It's on everyone's minds. And uh, you're right. There's uh, some Lama questions on here that I want to touch on. I do want to get to Chad H's question on Facebook. Yes, I he saw is that one. Uh, a friend of the show, listens to the podcast, and is a deputy sheriff here uh, in and around Park City. And uh, yeah, thank you for your service, by the way. You guys get a lot of you know hate from just about everyone these days. And yes, you we do. are just very much appreciative of everything you guys do. We are definitely Chad. Thank you for writing in. Really great to hear from you. And uh, we have touched on this in the past. Your question is about the engine breaking in the engine. On a new car. Yeah. Because with their new police cars, they don't have the luxury of babying it for the first 1,000 miles or 1,500 no, miles. No, you're or... chasing down a speeder. You got to go. You're, you're on it, need... baby. So he's saying, you know, they, they're driving fast to an emergency. They're in pursuit. The cars are pushed very hard from the beginning. Here's a new car. And he mentioned to me recently that they were getting – the uh, Ford Explorers were going away, and they were either getting new ones or something else. I couldn't remember. Durango's maybe? I can't remember. Maybe it's just new explorers, but the hmm. stuff he was describing, he said, those are fast, actually. Yeah, I bet. And so he's saying, you know, is is this a thing to break in the new engine? Is there a valid reason to drive slow and conservative with a new car? Chad, I will say 
follow the manufacturer's recommendations. If it is a car right. you own right. with your police vehicles, you can go ahead and beat on those and they're designed to. That's what they're for, yeah. That's, that's what, you, I mean, you need them. They're, they definitely help you serve the public and, and do your job properly. So I would say don't even worry about that. It sounds like you guys already do that. But follow the manufacturer's recommendation. And the reason is, is because of heat cycles yep. and also for tolerances all and... the tolerances and, and settling all the flanges and gaskets and all those kinds of things in the engine. It needs to kind of gel together. It's newly yep. built. It hasn't been run in. And that, again, means, you know, going through multiple heat cycles and things just start to fuse together a little bit more. Bit more. Yeah. And it's it's all things that, I mean, if you're, you're beating up on a cop car, you're going to sell it before... It gets to a It'll go away, and it, you don't even have gone. to think about it. But you'll, by not breaking in a car, unless you keep the car for a very long time, you're likely to never know the difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if you keep the car a long time, then yeah, you probably want to do it properly. And you're coming from a guy and, who does engine rebuilds and too. And to that, yeah, that's what I was going to bring up next. Is if you're a hot rodder or a tuner, then it's important to break them in because. These days, it's not as important because manufacturers do a lot of that in the factory still. Sure, but. You know, if, if you're putting in new cams on your car or you do a complete motor rebuild, then you need to break it in properly because you're not getting that benefit from the manufacturer. True. That's a very good point. And that's just getting cycles, oil through the yeah. engine, letting it live and, and all the parts it, kind letting of... Letting things settle properly, like yeah. the, the camshaft of the valves and, and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. So it is. it definitely is, especially as Chance is saying on rebuilt cars. But again, I'll just come back to the owner's manual because they... They can speak to that. And if you've, you know, if they can see if you beat on it from the very beginning and something blew or, you know, the, the pressure from a, a new gasket and it just started to develop a leak from the very get go. Well, that can cause problems later versus I hate to say it babying it, but just, you yeah. know, 4,000 and under whatever the, the manual says. Yeah, most of them say they, they, I mean, it's okay to floor it once in a while. But I mean, mo most you know, of them say don't do it constantly. Right, is the main thing. You Not can like still a police car. You can you're still saying. drive it like you normally would for the, but you don't want to go overboard with it. Right, right, exactly. Well, Chad, hope that helps. Uh, looking forward to seeing you again soon. Talk about Le Mans real quick. Uh, what were your impressions? Did you watch any of the um, race? I watched some on like late Saturday night. I watched some. You did. When yeah, I me turned too. it off, uh, Porsche was in the lead and they were like way ahead, and then that car ended up breaking. So yes. it, it was looking like if that car broke, which it did, that an LMP2 car could win overall, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which didn't end up that way. <laughs> so I, I, I've read some things. I'm going to get the details wrong that you might know a little better. Did you watch the race? Or? I watched some, of course, but a little bit. One of but... the other Porsches was back like 50-some-odd laps because yeah. he spent an hour in the pits yep. in the garages having something repaired. He came back, and I don't how don't know how long it took him, but he ended up passing for the overall lead very late in the race and got quite the a while. It took him a while to work back yeah. back up, and so it was a very. I'm I'm excited to watch the rebroadcast when hopefully someone puts it up on YouTube or something. Sure, but it it was a very fascinating race, and uh, we also like to congratulate Billy Johnson his team to yes get all four cars finished in the top 10 did they not i think I they his did. was one of the lower ones they had some issues with it but they they all did really well yeah billy is an incredible driver fan of the show billy thank you for listening and watching and uh yeah congrats on that just to be in there because i'm approaching this just looking at it from a man at the amateur level 
could I even dream to be in this race somehow with a team and just the the stuff you're going through, not oh, to mention yeah. competing for for top 10, not to mention podium or even winning the thing. You know, that's just unbelievable there's, to me. There's a documentary I watched this week. It's on um, Amazon Prime called Le Mans, uh, what is it? Racing is Everything. It's a six-part series. Okay, all right. And uh, they, they followed six different racing teams through <sighs> Le Mans two years ago. And one of them was the Porsches. So they, they interviewed Mark Weber and a bunch of other guys. Wow. And Mark was saying, you know, he's a former F1 driver. Right, right. And he's, he was saying that racing these cars, even though they're not quite as fast, they're just tickling the underbelly of, of F1 times, but they're not quite as fast as the F1 cars. So that these ones are a lot more intense and more fun and more exciting because of the intensity and everything. And if you think about, the F1 races versus Le Mans, you're doing the entire F1 schedule in one day. Oh, Mans, that's basically. crazy to think about. Yeah. The entire calendar year the of the schedule. calendar year. Whoa, that puts it in perspective. And I may have, this, I heard this years ago, not from this documentary, but somewhere else, but the budget these teams have just for Le Mans is bigger than the entire NASCAR budget for their entire season. You're kidding so the, me. No one makes money at Le Mans, but it's it's the world's biggest race. It's the greatest race and the one that matters. It is. It is just because of the endurance nature and so hard on people yeah. and mechanical things and gutted as we are for Toyota, they set the fast oh. lap. They blew the field away. Yeah, well, their, I mean, their qualifying lap was yeah. almost four seconds faster than the previous lap record. Four seconds. But, you know, part of the race is an endurance, and that's yep. why I like it so much. I love F1. I love racing of all kinds, but I love the endurance nature of it because it's like, you know, F1. They just have to last a couple hours. Yeah. That's it. In, in F1, you can win on the first turn. In Le Mans, you cannot win on the first True. turn. True. You can lose on the first turn, but you cannot win on the first turn. It's just, it's such a team effort, and it's such... Yeah, it's so amazing to me. And so, yeah, would have liked to see Toyota competing. People are worried about Toyota not coming back. I'm not sure that's going to happen. I think they still have a lot to prove. I they, mean, they, they were there. They, they were there. They're doing really well in WC this year. So yeah. I, I imagine they'll come back. Yep. All right. What else uh, stuck out to you on here? Um, Ty Grigg asked about our thoughts on the 2018 Mustang redesign. Ah, yes. Um, what do you think? He, he posted a link that the the link was calling it or was saying that it was modeled after Darth Vader's helmet. I saw this too. <laughs> Which, after he saw that, I was like, I can kind of see that, I guess. I'm looking at the front but end now. When they first first showed it, I was kind of like, what did they do to it? They took too many too many lines and retouching, and they were just. It was almost like they were redesigning it for the sake of redesigning it. Interesting. But the more I see it, it's kind of growing on me. Okay. But I mean, you're saying this honestly. Being a Mustang fan, yeah. you but can be honest with yourself I, and with us. When the spy shots of this generation Mustang came out in the first place, I thought it was hideous until I saw the actual reveal. And I was like, oh, that looks really good. And then I had the op I actually found one here in Utah. It was one of the pre-production cars. They were filming a commercial for it. You just came in, upon it? Yeah, they were. Uh, I was on my way home from work, and there it was sitting on a tow truck at a hotel right next to my house. You're kidding me. Yeah. And so the next day they were filming. Uh, some of you have, may have seen it. It was a commercial. It was a long, one of those like two and a half minute type commercials. And it had all these like 80s aerobics dancer 
type people in it. <laughs> okay. It was very Yikes. bizarre and not good. But but I got to see it. I got to shoot it downtown Payson, Utah on this little small American town kind of thing. Very classic. And I had the first cool. photos of the new Mustang out of anyone outside of the auto shows. No kidding. Yeah. That's very cool. So you're liking so, it. It's grown on you. So You've yeah, seen it's the growing proportions. On me, but I will say I'm not going to judge it completely until I see it in person. Okay. Because so right. many cars today, there's so many lines and things that cameras just don't pick up very well until you see it in person because they're so three-dimensional. And... Yeah, absolutely. The way the light hits things. You yeah. saw pre-production, correct? Yes. Okay. So was that finalized or were there it was, still it was some finalized. details to so be? It was, it was the, the production version, Okay. but it was okay. still one of the, the prototype, quote-unquote, cars right right well ty probably no longer exists yeah i'm sure it's been crushed by this point but uh yeah ty to your question you think about inspiration for cars generally speaking you want to design with highlights so everything those highlights that are pointing up they catch your eye in a certain way Mm -hmm. and also think about generally speaking japanese designers use nature and animal themes in their cars. You know, the Mako shark yeah. for the Corvette. Right. And a lot of beautiful nature themes. You can find new shapes, and a lot of designers go to nature because of perfect proportions in nature, and they go to that to extract design ideas and and new things because trying to design a car that hasn't been done before is very difficult and making it look attractive and, and fit the market. So now we come to the Mustang. It's got to be aggressive because yep. of the nature of the car, and it's very American. Very. So what kind uh, would you look to tie in? But I could see the the fear, you know, Darth Vader's helmet that's also shown on the link you sent us here. I can see it. I can see some styling cues. But again, you don't want to pull and make it look exactly like the thing you're taking inspiration right. from. You want to pull a few details and just some thoughts and just some shapes that the eye can relate to. Just about everybody on the planet can relate to Darth Vader in some way, having seen the movie and all this stuff. So those kinds of shapes are familiar to your eye, but still aggressive looking. That car's got to be. It's the market for it is not a luxury sedan or you know an SUV, whatever that is. So it's got to fit this aggressive personality that that goes with the car, especially for you know the GT500 we hope is coming. Yeah, uh, (laughs) (laughs) we'll see. But uh, yeah, think about where designers pull their inspiration from. Compare that into what the car, the design brief is, and then judge for yourself. Do you think they nailed it? I'm liking it. It's growing more and more on me as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, next question uh, that stuck out to me was Greg Scannelberry was asking if it's obvious when people ask us questions, not not necessarily on, on Facebook, but in person, how much they really know about cars based on the types of questions they ask mm-hmm. and how much if their knowledge only comes from the things that they've read or seen versus actually having a deep knowledge of, of understanding how they are. Uh, <laughs> it's fun to go to auto shows and listen to people sort yeah, of be the fly on the wall. And it, I've, I've got this, this story that, that goes back to riding the bus in high school. I remember riding along on my way home and these kids in the back were talking about cars. Okay. And, Your ears perked up. And yeah, my ears perked up. I didn't know. I wasn't the, the, you know, know what all I am today, so to speak. But, <laughs> and boy, are you ever! But, I mean, we just get sick of hearing your but knowledge. They were talking about what the world's fastest car was to their okay. in their minds, okay. and they were talking about the Dodge Viper. Okay. <laughs> now this was the early two thousands. Okay. And at this point, you know, the McLaren F one was already ten years old, 
probably they'd never heard of it. I yeah, I didn't say anything, but I was just you know rolling my eyes like oh my gosh, biting your lip. <laughs> yep, of course. But, but then that, that also goes to like another another thing I see a lot is people that you know, when they talk about top speed of the car, they look at their speedometer in their own car oh, yeah. and think, oh yeah, my car my Camry says it'll do one forty. Well, <laughs> maybe maybe not. It's not what that really being means. pushed That's off just... a cliff with a tailwind, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so. Interesting. Yeah. Terminal velocity. Yeah. Everybody looks at your speedometer and thinks, well, that's a 220 mile an hour car. This golf has a 220 mile an hour speedometer. Well, therefore, yeah, that yeah. must equate. So what do you think about the Skyline GTRs, the old ones that had the, <laughs> the 85 mile an hour speedometers? Oh, that's right. Well, we're, it was 180 kilometers an hour. I think, we're so capped to 85, bit. everyone. No, yeah. this car can't go faster. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. No, I, I, I like that question as well. And it's like I said, it's fun to... Overhear stuff at auto shows and people, you know, their assumptions based on color alone. If they see a red car, is that a Ferrari? No, it's not. Yeah. You know, those kinds of things. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's kind of fun. And you can also tell when people get all their car information from video games. Yeah. Because of the stats that come up on yep. that first yep. screen and you read all the stats and you know that car. I've driven it in a game. Right. No, you haven't. <laughs> so yeah, you can thing. you can kind of tell when you know those uh, those kind of that information comes out. All right, what else? We're uh, we're getting close to wrapping things up here. Maybe one more. Well, there was one on Instagram I saw. It was a uh, Damien Caplet. Um, yes, Damien. Hello. Thanks for following along. Appreciate it. He is is young enough that he he can't quite afford one of these yet. But he's asking how expensive it is to own a Porsche as far as maintenance goes. <laughs> and Damien, it's really funny you ask that this week. <laughs> I was hoping you'd bring this up because last week my wife calls me up says, "Hey, um, we've got a bunch of coolant leaking out of the Porsche." Ugh. And it turned out the the water pump had failed, and so we had to go have that replaced. As water pumps do. And, and Yeah, it's something that will happen on any car. Sure. But, okay, if that happened on my Mustang, you know, I can have that done myself. You'd have paper clips and pantyhose, and you'd be done in a heartbeat <laughs> with some Bisquick, right? Q-tip and a pocket watch and done. a Joy shopping mall. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, I can do, do that on the Mustang for under 100 bucks, Easy. Right. Well, this, and, and fortunately, I know... A lot of guys at, the, at uh, shops called Makes and Models up in Layton, Utah. So give a big shout out to them. Yeah, for helping pretty them awesome out. place. And uh, they um, yeah, helped us out incredibly. And they knocked it down to, I think it was a little over 800, 800 bucks for the water still pump. Still breathtaking, which is though. still a oh. lot of money for a water pump. But, wow. And then the other things we've had to do to that car, uh, we've done just a basic oil change and did the brakes. And that was, as, as you've seen, even on, on Todd's updated Cayenne updates, they're not very cheap. They're still no about 1500 bucks for that. Even and, from independent mechanics, as you're saying, yeah, not, you know, just dealer right. aside. So it's, it's not a cheap car. You can go, you can find cheaper parts for them, but yeah, they're still not cheap. Yeah. Yeah. No, excellent question, Damien. I, it's all about preventative maintenance. Of course, things will happen. Yeah, that, that things said, will fail. Everything we've done to the car has all been, you know, standard routine things other than the water pump, which sure. would happen on anything. But think about tires on Porsches. 
the reason they handle so well along with other cars is because the tow in, you know, on 911s, they're towed in quite a bit, which means they just scrub through tires. They just right. chew up the rubber. But man, does this car handle well. Right. You know, how fun is this? So think about that. Think about, yeah, things can and do go wrong with every car. But with Porsche, it's labor. I mean, when I got my first one, it was a 928. And even the independent mechanic could see his boat payment being paid for when he saw me coming. <laughs> like, no. So I learned to do oil changes. You know, I just thought, $70 for an oil change? What on earth? Well, now Porsche dealers charge, what, 325 oh, or more? or more, yeah. Ugh. Easy. Yeah, and that's just, again, because of the car, tolerances are tighter. They use special fluids and oils. All and, of that, yeah. yeah. So, again. And, and that's true with any high-performance car, whether it's BMW of course, or of Porsche or Ferrari, Lamborghini, McLaren, you, you name it. Absolutely. They're... Airplanes get expensive. Well, it's not to do. But still, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, Canon does get expensive. But uh depends on the year of your car. depends on the condition mileage, all those kinds of yep. things, but yep. tighter tolerances. And those cars are designed to be driven hard. Well, that's what happens to parts when you drive them hard. You guys yeah. enjoy your Boxster like crazy. Oh, yeah. Drive it everywhere. Yeah, my wife works at the base of a canyon, and for lunch, she goes up the canyon, does a quick run. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, guys, uh, we will end there. So many more questions. We've got to get to these all. But uh, thank you again for writing in. And uh, Todd will be back with us on the next podcast. Chance, thank you again. Oh, of course. Really, really appreciate it. You, you've provided some good perspective, and uh, people are really starting to enjoy your Mustang and, updates. And hopefully my friend Mike Morgan will not have been bored during this whole podcast, <laughs> as you pointed out on Facebook. Ooh, you called him out. <laughs> All right. <laughs> again, thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. Don't forget the pilgrimage trip coming up, Everyday Driver Adventures. And on the 24th of June, if you have Velocity Channel, that is the last episode of season one is. for Todd and I. I'm excited for that one. Not because it's the last one. Exactly. Because of what it is. The yes. last one for this season. But the... that is the Alfa Romeo Quadrifoglio, Julia Quadrifoglio, and the M3. And that will make its way to YouTube at some point for those of you that don't. But set your DVRs. Catch us on Velocity Channel. And uh, I think you'll really like that. We got some amazing footage, and I kept whacking cameras on the front of the car when I was doing follow footage. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to tell that story sometime. I will. All right, guys. Thanks again. Really appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers.